Well, this morning, I want us to spend a little bit of time talking about the church. I believe in the church. Last couple days, or last couple weeks, we've talked about I believe in God, I believe in the Bible, and today we're going to talk about uh, or address the subject of I believe in the church. It's good from time to time to go over fundamentals. I know that many of you already know this stuff. It's, it's old stuff to you. But Peter said, I know that you know this, but I want to stir you up by putting you in remembrance. What may be old to you is new to other people. And that's the part of being a part of the body of Christ is we, we have to bear with each other. And uh, you know, sometimes those newer members might not get what we're talking about as it applies to those who are more mature in the faith. Sometimes those who are more mature have to be patient while we talk about some of these fundamentals. But I'm reminded of the song that we sing, Tell Me the Old, Old Story. Uh, you know, those to, I love to tell the story to those who know it best. Um, do we ever grow tired of hearing what God has done for us? We shouldn't. And probably we, we, we certainly don't. But I want us to talk about the church. Why do I believe in the church? You know, back in the 60s, now I, I was around, but I was too young to really be aware of things. But I do remember my dad preaching about various things. Uh, there was a social movement during the 60s that just had a repulsion toward anything that was institutional. And, uh, you know, we, we wanted to be against institutions. And so as religion presented itself through the church, the church was seen as an institution. And so people were saying, nah, I, I don't, I don't, we don't need the church. I want Jesus, but don't give me the church. You can keep all this going to church business and, and attendance and all that. I, I, I'll have my relationship to Jesus without the church. Thank you. Well, that movement has, is still around. Oh, it's a little more sophisticated. It's not, you know, flower power kind of thing anymore. But it, it is there. And, and today, there are people who are basically espousing the same message about religion shouldn't be institutional. It should be relational. And there's truth in the fact that we need to have a relationship with God. But it, it isn't mutually exclusive. I know what man says about the church is not always positive. The church has its detractors. But I also know what God says about the church. And the two can't be harmonized sometimes. L listen with me as we talk about what some of the passages, Acts chapter 20 and verse 28. The Apostle Paul told the Ephesian elders, Take heed unto yourselves and to the flock over which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. Jesus thought enough about the church that he gave his blood for it. That He died for the church. He purchased it with the price of his blood. If you know anything about the value of something by how much you pay for it, then the church is, is extremely important. You know, if I went out and bought a certain kind of car and I had to pay $100,000 for it, that tells you something about that car. This is, man, this is priceless. Jesus gave his life for the church. 
that takes the church from being a marginal thing. No longer can it be marginalized. No longer can it be ignored. People are incorrect and wrong when they say, I, I don't need the church. Jesus thought the world of the church. He gave his life for it. In 1 Peter chapter 1, and verse well, 10 through 11, the Bible tells us of those Old Testament prophets. And they would prophesy by inspiration of the Spirit. And then they would say, wonder what that means. Because they didn't have the hindsight. They didn't see the fulfillment. And so they were prophesying things about salvation that they themselves didn't even understand as they were saying it. And it all had reference to the coming of the Christ and the redemption that would come in Jesus. And so it talks about how that they desired to look into the things that God had uh, set in motion, but they couldn't. But now, turn in your Bible to Ephesians chapter 1, because I want you to see something. In Ephesians chapter 1, we have revealed for us what that great mystery was that those Old Testament prophets desired to look into, and even the angels themselves. In chapter 3 of Ephesians, that great mystery that in other ages had not yet been revealed, but now has been revealed, was that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs with God in one body. Jews and Gentiles, all men can be reconciled to God in the church, the body of Christ. All of history has pointed to this. God's Old Testament plan through the prophets that had not yet been comprehended was talking about the church Dare I say it's worthless? I don't need it. I can do religion without it. The Bible tells us in Ephesians 2 and verse 16 that God has reconciled or that we are reconciled to God in the church. While reconciliation to God is something I want. I don't want to be his enemy. I've been separated too long. I want to be in, in harmony with him. I want to walk hand in hand. I want to go to heaven. But that reconciliation takes place in the church. Dispense with the church? You dispense with reconciliation with God. And then turn back to Ephesians chapter 1. And, and I've, I know I've mentioned this before, but I want you to see, sometimes we read verses that have words and they're just, they kind of sound like filler to us. We don't really stop and say, now what? Did that mean what I just read? They're just words. Well, listen to Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 22. And he's put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. I got it. I got it. Jesus is head of the church. I got it. He's in the body is the church. I got it. The fullness of him who fills all in all. Well, let's just keep going. That doesn't seem too interesting or understandable. Do you know what that's saying? You know, I, I almost choke on the words when I say, God needs me. Jesus needs me. That, that I have a hard time saying that. It doesn't sound like it's something I should say. If I were to reverse that and say, I need Jesus, I need God, that comes out so much easier. But what this passage is saying is that God needs us. He needs you. He needs me. He needs the church. You see, without the church, Jesus is incomplete. 
The church is the fullness of him, Jesus, who fills all in all. Without the church, Jesus would be incomplete. Not by nature, not intrinsically, but by his choice. God chose to bring man to Christ, to reconcile uh, man and, and God in the church. That was his choice. And if we don't do our job, the reconciliation doesn't take place. Who's going to take the gospel to the lost today? Jesus is gone. He's back on the right hand of the Father. So how are people going to learn about Jesus, the church, God, the Bible? He needs us. He's placed the gospel in earthen vessels, and we have an obligation to complete Christ and his mission. That's quite an honor that God has given to the church. And again, it tells me the church is indispensable. We can't do without the church. It's the fullness of Christ. It's like a circle where you stop three quarters of the way and you don't finish it. That, that's not a circle if you don't finish. And Jesus isn't finished. He isn't fulfilled until the church steps up and does its job. We round out. We fulfill the purpose of Christ. And so that's why, in essence, I believe in the church. Because it is in the mind of God from the very beginning. Ephesians chapter 3, the passage that uh, was just read, uh, verses 10 through 11. It's the eternal purpose of God. And the intent was that God would show principalities and powers in heavenly places his wisdom. And he used the church to demonstrate it. May we never sit back and say, I don't know what God was thinking. This isn't working so well. I don't get why we have to do it this way or that way. I don't understand the organization of the church, why it has to be this way. Seems like there are better ways to do this or that. This is the wisdom of God. I appreciate um, what was said for the Lord's Supper. God is wise, much wiser than men. And, and his wisdom is seen in the institutions that he's given us, the Lord's Supper as well as the church itself. And um, so, I, I, yes, I, I believe in the church. But now, what's the purpose of the church? What, what are we to do? Okay, I understand. God wanted a church, and he put it here. So now what? Well, some have complaints that, well, some level complaints against the church that mm, they have some valid points. Sometimes the church isn't what it ought to be. And sometimes we get in the way of people and their relationship to Jesus. Now that's not what God intends, but that does happen. So some complaints, I have to say, guilty as charged. But just because of our imperfection, not the Lord's. You see, when a church doesn't realize or when a church loses its way, it gets in the way. In, in Matthew chapter 23, the, the Pharisees, they had all these rules and man-made regulations making people jump through hoops to have a relationship with God. And, and God said, listen, Jesus said, you guys won't enter the door into the kingdom of heaven, but not only will you guys not enter, you stand there and get in the way of other people entering 
Because of you, you're in a way and other people can't enter the kingdom. That's not what I once said about me. And churches that lose their way get in the way. And what I mean by lose their way is they forget what their purpose is. Have you ever seen churches that you have to, when you sit back at the end of the day, you say, well, what are they really all about? Are they trying to compete with the YMCA? Are they trying to compete with, you know, and we can go down through a list of uh, social organizations. What's the, church, what's the mission of the church? Well, sometimes people will say the mission of the church is evangelism, edification, and benevolence. It's the mission of the church. Mm, not really. Those are works of the church. They help us to arrive at our mission or to fulfill our mission. But I believe the mission of the church is summed up in Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 21. And it says this, To him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. The mission of the church is to glorify God. Bottom line, we need to bring God glory. And we do that through evangelizing and edifying and benevolence. But the mission, the goal, is to bring glory to God in the church by Jesus Christ. So now here's what I want to ask, and this will be the, the rest of the lesson. How do I fulfill that purpose? How do we at Carnes live out the purpose of bringing glory to Christ? Um, we do that in this way. By being Jesus' point of contact with people. Jesus came because of people. He didn't leave heaven. He didn't die on a cross to, to uh, go through some formality. It, it was about people. Jesus wants to save people. But you know, Jesus hadn't been around for 2,000 years. When he rose from the dead, he ascended back to his father. And since that day, nearly 2,000 years ago, no sighting of Jesus has ever been seen except through his people, the church. That's how people see Jesus today. We are his point of contact. He no longer walks along the beach with us where we can listen to his teaching. He no longer sits down at the top of a mountain where we can gather around and, and listen to him teach. He, he's not here anymore. But how then do people come in contact with Jesus? Through the church. That's how we live this out. Listen, folks, as a church, to fulfill the purpose of bringing glory to God, we've got to do, we, we have to let our lips be used by Jesus. What would he say? I need to be a spokesperson. I, I need to let my hands be used in ministry as Jesus would have used his hands if he were here today. I need my feet to take me to places where Jesus would go and minister to people and teach people if he were here today. That's what it means to be the church. That's how we glorify God in the church, by being the point of contact for Jesus with a lost world. He's no longer here, but his body his spiritual body is the church. And so Romans chapter 12 and 1 Corinthians chapter 12, both of those passages 
spend a rather lengthy time talking about and describing how that we, the church, is the body of Christ. And that expression is used throughout the New Testament, the body of Christ. Well, why are we called the body of Christ? Because he's not here bodily anymore, but we are his body today. The Bible tells us in Galatians 2 and verse 20, Paul said, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul said, I'm, I'm going to live for him. Uh, he said in Philippians chapter 1, I'm in a strait between two. I'd like to go on to be with the Lord, but I'd like to stay and help people. But I'll tell you this, whether I live or die, I'm going to be Christ. If I die, it's gain. But if I live, I'm telling you, I'm going to speak for Jesus. I'm going to be on his side. I'm going to live for him. Well, that's how we fulfill the purpose of the church. Jesus needs us to be his point of contact. And how do we do that? Well, first of all, we don't do it perfectly. We make mistakes all the time because we're human. But God understands that. And I believe that most people understand that even those who are trying to follow Jesus are imperfect people. I know that a lifestyle of sin can get in the way of other people following Christ. They see it as hypocrisy. But I think most people understand that those who follow Jesus are prone to mistakes. I don't want to make habits of those. I don't want the church to make habits of mistakes. But I, I want us to be a, a true, good reflection of Jesus as clearly as we can make it. To do that, we teach. Mark 16 and verse 16 or 15. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. That, that's how we fulfill our purpose, our mission. We, we teach people about Jesus. And let me tell you, and this was mentioned earlier in class this morning, as we teach, we, we have to be patient with people. We can't go off just half ready for a fight all the time. We, we've got to understand that people aren't where where maybe we are, and it, they need loving correction and time to get better, to mature, to be a better image, reflection of Jesus. In fact, Paul tells us that in 2 Timothy chapter 2, or chapter 4 and verse 2, you remember that, preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort, but don't miss with all long suffering and doctrine. We need to correct people, and we need to teach them, but be patient with people. A church that shows no patience, no understanding, no, no, no tolerance with people's struggles is a church that gets in the way, a church that doesn't fulfill the mission of Jesus. Jesus ate with sinners, not to condone them, not to give his approval, but to help them out of where they were. I want us to be a church that fulfills the mission of Christ, and we teach the truth in a loving way, and we're patient with people as they come to a knowledge of what God's will is. 
we also need to show compassion, Acts 10 and verse 38. The Bible says of Jesus in Acts 10 and verse 38 that he went about doing good. I want us as a church to fulfill our purpose in going about doing good. You don't need an elder's okay. You don't need to run it by anybody. You don't need approval. You do good whenever you have the opportunity and do it in the name of Jesus. A few years ago, we were um, doing a study on, well, the Fred factor. Maybe some of you are aware of what that is, but it's just uh, uh, we were trying to do good to um, find ways and opportunities to do good. One man, member of the church, went up to a car wash, and so we, we would have class on a Wednesday night, and, and we would go out, try to do good that week, and then come back next Wednesday, and we'd talk about it, and we'd share the stories and the encounters that we had with people. One man went to the, the car wash, and you know how you have to keep popping those quarters in, and sometimes it gets a little ahead of you, and and so there was a man, he was spraying his car, and he wasn't nearly done. And, and this, this Christian heard that thing beeping, you know, it's going to go off on him. So he ran around there and put a dollar's worth of quarters in for that man. That man didn't know what to think. He said he kept turning around and looking at him. He'd wash his car a little and turn around. And finally, when he got done, he walked over in the next stall where that Christian was. And he said, do we know each other? And he said, no, I've never met you before. And he said, but you just put a dollar in the car wash for me. And he said, yeah, I heard it beeping, and you were doing it, and I, I, it was about to run out on you. Well, why did you do that? And he said, because I'm a disciple of Jesus, and it was just something I wanted to do in his name. You know what the guy said? Where do you go to church I want to visit? You see, that's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about going about doing good in little ways where you help people in the name of Jesus. It makes an impact with people. That's what Jesus was about. That same week, we were, um, I saw a car wreck. Well, it wasn't a wreck. A car stalled at an intersection, and the light changed, and everybody's honking and stuff, and I saw this, and I went, oh, this is great. This is going to be perfect opportunity to help somebody so I I pulled in this parking lot and headed over to this lady's car and you can imagine how frustrated this person is sitting there and all the traffic blocking everybody can't get your car started and before I could get there two other Christians got to the car first they they saw it too and beat me to it you know they they took my good deed away from me but but wouldn't that be great if we left here and did we, we impacted the community. Somebody else brought up, well, I think it was even down here in Gatlinburg. When we first moved here, somebody said, wonder what would happen if you had a card with the church's name and address on it, an invitation to come to church, put it in, in an envelope, drive through a drive through get your McDonald's order or whatever it is, and just say, and I also want to pay for the car behind me and give them this envelope. Wonder what kind of impression that would leave on those people who say, Who in the world was that? Well, they left us this. All I'm saying is there are a thousand ways to do good. Let's get busy and do it. And do it in the name of Jesus and let the glory belong to God. That's how we function as a church. And then 
we need to edify, show encouragement to other people. Romans chapter 14 and verse 19. That passage says that we are to... Some things just fall in our laps. You know, you can't help it. When I'm standing back here at the back door and I'm standing there like this, ready to shake your hand, you can't hardly help but shake my hand. You know, you, you got to do it to get around me because I'm, there I am. And, and so that, that, those things you have to do. But this passage doesn't tell us what we have to do. It tells us what we're supposed to do. Pursue the things that make for peace and the things whereby we might edify one another. He's not talking about things that just fall in your lap, things that just come across your path and give you opportunity. He's talking about a choice, a lifestyle choice, where you set out on a pursuit of ways to build people up. Folks, how many of you are pursuing ways to edify and to build one another up? That's the purpose for this book that we're talking about doing. Pursuing ways where every day of the year I can sit down and be encouraged by a member of the Carnes congregation by some insight into scripture or spiritual application that they have. That's what pursuits of edification. I believe in the church. I believe in the church that Jesus built. It is needed by Jesus. Jesus needs his church and he needs us to function as a church. And when we stop doing the things that he wants us to do, we, we get in the way. People see the inconsistency. They see the hypocrisy. They, they, they get turned off. If we're going to be the church of Jesus Christ, let's get down to the mission. Let's, let's glorify God in all that we do. As imperfect as I am, God can still work through me. How do I know that? Because all I have to do is pick this book up and I look at a bunch of other imperfect people that God worked through and did great things. God's not done. He can use you and do great things as well. If you're not, if you're not yet a member of Christ's church, if you are maybe a member, but you haven't been allowing yourself to be used by God, as an instrument in his providence, then make that right. Jesus said, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. On the day of Pentecost, when those who were present realized we killed the Son of God, what are we to do? Peter said, repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. Those that gladly received his word were baptized, and 3,000 souls were added to the church that day. That's how you become a member of the church, the body of Christ. That's how you begin to live your life in glory to God. If you haven't done that, we'll assist you in that this morning. We'll help you to be baptized into Christ. And if you're a child of God already but unfaithful and you need the prayers of your brethren, we'll pray with you that you'd be stronger, more faithful, more dedicated to the cause in the future. Won't you come as we stand together and sing?